Welcome again to Searching the Scriptures radio broadcast. We do appreciate you tuning in again this week as we look into the Word of God here and uh, study the Word, and we trust that you're getting a blessing from each broadcast. And uh, I'm Pastor Travis Alltop. It's always a privilege to have an open Bible and an open line and the opportunity to be on the radio with you. We appreciate you tuning in. As always, we invite you to get your Bible open, follow along with us as we look into the Word of God that you might see what the Bible actually has to say. This week, we're going to be in Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28, we're going to look at a great story here and uh, try to glean some great pictures out of this story. This is one of the great things about the Bible. You see, I still believe the Bible was written by God, the Holy Ghost, and God has a way of recording historical facts and telling a narrative of a story, and yet the way it is worded, it will teach you spiritual truth. In other words, for instance, I have uh, preached before from 2 Kings chapter 5 about the healing of Naaman's leprosy and uh, what all went on there. Well, as you read that story, it is just a narrative of what actually took place during the time of Elisha in the nation of Israel. And uh, they were slaves there to Syria and all that. Naaman was a mighty man of valor and all this, and he had leprosy. But if you read through that story, the first 19 verses of that Second Kings chapter 5, that narrative has so many wordings and so many truths about New Testament salvation that uh, you would you would have to be blind to miss it. And that's one of the amazing things about the Word of God. What I'm going to preach to you today is just a out of a historical account of a shipwreck and Paul and these men getting onto an island and being helped by the heathen and the barbarous people that were on this island. But yet the way it is worded, it will teach us truth uh, that we can apply. So let's look at Acts chapter 28. We'll begin reading together here in verse 1. The Bible says when they were escaped. Now this is talking about the context is the Apostle Paul is on a ship with 275 other men. There are Roman soldiers and many prisoners. They've been uh, for a couple of weeks. They've been on the sea. There's been a terrible storm for many days. They saw neither sun nor moon and uh, the tempest had laid heavy upon them. They'd been involved in a, a very long and uh, nerve-wracking storm. And the ship finally broke up there, and they made it safe to land. They had to swim up to this island. And so they are, they're uh, frazzled. They're uh, probably hungry. They're cold. The Bible says, verse 1, when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. So it's raining and it's cold on this island when Paul and the rest of the prisoners get onto the island of Melita. And it says in verse 3, When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on, a, on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Isn't that just like human nature? Uh, you know something that in verse 4, when Paul was bit by the snake, they said, oh, he's a murderer, and that's why he's going to die. Well, that was wrong. And then uh, just a couple verses later, they changed their minds and said, no, this guy's a god. You know, in the book of Revelation, chapter 17, I believe it is, it likens large groups of people to waters. 
That's right. Look it up. Revelation 17, large groups of people, nations, are likened to waters. And you know something about water? It's unstable. And you know what water does when it gets shook up? It slushes from one side to the other. It, isn't that just how uh, people's opinion, public opinion often is? One day a guy's a hero, the next day he's a zero. So you cannot take, listen, don't get sucked up into public opinion because many times people are just deceived and human nature being what it is, it just like water, like people, large groups of people and their opinions, just like the news media, everything shifts. It's just back and forth. And right here, they, uh, they were unstable, shifting back and forth. Both conclusions they came to were wrong. Verse seven, it says in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we were departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. And so uh, we're going to learn some great truths here. Uh, we're going to focus in on the apostle Paul. We've just read a great inspired account of this shipwreck and where they went to uh, to find safety on the island of Melita and how good the uh, the islanders treated them, the heathen, the barbarous people. Uh, they acted more like Christians than some Laodiceans I know. The Bible says they showed them no little kindness. They were courteous. They honored them and they laid them down with such things as they needed when they left that island. And so uh, we're going to look at a couple of things about the Apostle Paul. Number one, I want to talk about this servant's behavior. You know something the, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us on many occasions, to be you followers of me even as I also am of Christ. He is said to be our pattern in 1 Timothy chapter 1. And he says the things which you have seen in me and heard in me, he says this simple word, do. In other words, Paul is a pattern to follow. I've heard men say before, you know, you get to bragging on some preacher that's been a blessing to you, some old saint of God that's uh, taught you the Bible, and they say, well, you're following a man. You're following a man. Well, you know something? It's okay to follow men in the ministry and in the church. Listen, it's okay to follow them, providing they're following Jesus Christ. Paul said, be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, Paul says, my example, my Christian life, is strong enough, I'm in step enough with Jesus Christ, that if you're following me, then you're following him. Now, we're always to check men based upon uh, if they're doing what Jesus Christ would have them to do. We can follow any man as much as he follows the Lord. Amen. But Paul is just a, a great standard bearer for Christianity in the New Testament. And the first thing I want to uh, point out in his sample, his example, his pattern here in Acts 28, is he's a servant. You say, where do you get that? Well, the Bible tells us here in verses 2 and 3 of this chapter that it was raining and it was cold. Listen, Paul had been shipwrecked also. He would have been part of this drama, this awful storm they had endured. His nerves, I'm sure, were shot. I'm sure that uh, he was just as stressed as everybody else was in the human sense. And listen, he was cold and he was wet like everybody else. It would have been the perfect time for this man of God to sit down under a tree somewhere and wait until the islanders had gotten the fire built. But instead, the Apostle Paul gets down and he helps gather sticks in verse 3. It says, when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, you know what that is? That's a servant. That's what that is. And you know what example that matches? That matches the example of our lovely Lord Jesus Christ. You know, if there was one word that described Christianity the best, it might be the word others. 
The Lord Jesus uh, showed us that it was all about others. The scripture says he went about doing good. You know what he did? He gave us an example in John chapter 13 when he washed those disciples' feet. And listen, he even washed Judas Iscariot's feet that evening. The Bible says, listen, that takes humility. He got down and he ministered to others. He said, this is an example. He didn't say it was an ordinance, but he did say it was an example that you love one another as I've loved you and served. Listen, uh, he says, happier ye if you do them. And I'll tell you, you'll never meet a happier Christian than the one who is serving others. The Bible says we're to esteem others better than ourselves. Our Lord himself said this in Matthew chapter 20. He said, the son of man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. And if you want to get the joy bells ringing, if you want to get filled with joy and peace in believing, then get busy serving other people. Listen, uh, Paul went over and began to grab sticks to help build the fire because it was going to be a blessing to get this red-hot fire going when people are cold and wet. There is nothing more pleasant than to have have a good fire going. Paul could have laid out, but instead we find him serving just like the Lord Jesus was consumed with uh, others and their well-being and the benefit of others. Even in the Lord's great hour of agony, dying on that cross, what do we find him doing? Well, he's concerned about his mother Mary. As she stands down there at the foot of the cross next to the apostle John, he says to her, woman, behold thy son. And he tells John, son, behold thy mother. And you know what he was doing? He was providing a place for his mother to be taken care of. It's obvious, uh, it's implied throughout the New Testament that the Lord's stepfather Joseph had died. And uh, listen, Jesus Christ was leaving his mother in the hands of of a good man that he loved, that he knew he could trust. Because the scripture says in John 19 that from that day forward, John took her into his home. Listen, it was others that was on the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ, even while he was dying. And I'm just going to tell you that Paul is a servant to people. Even on this island of heathen, he is helping gather a bundle of sticks. Something as simple, listen, it's the menial tax tasks, excuse me, that separate the men from the boys. Hey Amen. You ought to be looking for ways to minister. And can I tell you something? God pays attention to what you're doing. You say, well, I can't teach a Sunday school class and I don't preach and how can, listen, I, I can't sing that kind of stuff right there. There is a lot more to the Christian life than serving in those capacities. Listen, uh, I, maybe the best, most spiritual person in your church is the one that cleans that uh, church building every week and scrubs and swabs those commodes. Do you know that's important to have a good church service? Somebody's got to do that. Sometimes it's the, it's the little tasks that are done in, in, uh, quietly with humility. Those are the things that are going to be rewarded openly that day at the judgment seat of Christ. Listen, get busy serving somebody. I, re- I read a story one time of a, a street preaching man by the name of Ray Comfort. And uh, he was preaching in New Zealand, and he said that there was this man that would constantly show up and heckle him and say derogatory things about his wife while he preached. It was just a regular nuisance is what the man was. And so he saw one day that this guy was there, and he had a terrible pair of shoes. It was all tore up, had holes in them. I'm not even so sure this guy might not have been a homeless man. And so the next day, Brother Comfort had gone out. He guessed the man's shoe size, and he bought a brand-new pair of $40 shoes and a new pair of socks, and bought this guy lunch. And uh, the next day when that heckler showed up and began to curse and to blaspheme and make derogatory comments, Brother Comfort jumped down off of his uh, uh, crate there where he was preaching off of there in the, in the town square. And he went over to the man and said, here, have a seat on this park bench. 
And when the man sat down, he uh, got down at his feet and pulled off them old nasty shoes and put them new fresh socks on there and put those new shoes on and tied them up. And he said, do those fit good? And the man just sat there with his mouth hanging open. And he gave him some lunch, and he said, uh, you sit here and enjoy this. He goes, I just want to be a blessing to you. And you know something? He never had any more trouble out of that man. Do you know why? He served somebody. Oh, if we could if we could put our Christianity in action like that all the time and let the Spirit of God lead us to do those kind of things, I'm telling you, you'll be the happiest Christian on your block. The reason so many people are sour is because they're full of themselves and it's all about themselves. When somebody comes in looking to be a blessing to others and serve others and they're consumed with, with ministering to other people, those are the people that have the best time in church. Those are the people that have peace and joy unspeakable and full of glory because it's not all about them. Do you realize that selfishness is what got us into this mess to begin with? It was Adam acting independently of God's command. He did what he wanted to do. He did something contrary to the word of God, to the spoken word of God, and he, he did it for himself. And I'm going to tell you something. When the scripture says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. This is describing humanity as sinful men. It says all we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. And when you get caught up in your own way and in your own ideas and in your own comfort, your own self-propagation, you will be miserable. You know why Christians get irritated in churches and leave churches? It's because they're, they're full of themselves. He said, give me an example. Listen, the people who get bothered by not having their handshake, you know, somebody took their pew or the, the heat and the AC isn't just right. And, and, you know, who's sitting in my pew and so-and-so walked right past me and didn't shake my hand. And I think the preacher was looking at me when he said, you know why people are, because it's all about you. And brother, let me tell you, as long as you're consumed with yourself and got your eyes on yourself, you're going to be a sorry and a very miserable Christian. But the moment you get your eyes on Jesus Christ and begin ministering to others, you'll be amazed at what that'll do for you. And you say, well, that'll be a blessing. Well, look what happens next. When Paul is serving, notice what happens in verse 3. As he's gathering the bundle of sticks to lay them on the fire, it says, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. So we see here uh, the servant's behavior, but next I want to notice the serpent's bite. Oh, here's another great picture for us. Our pattern, the Apostle Paul is serving people. He's thinking of other people. And in the middle of being a blessing, he gets bit by a viper. It's a serpent. It's a venomous serpent at that. You know what that represents in the Bible? You know who was first referred to as a serpent in your Bible? I believe I read in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 where the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field. Listen, this is a picture of the devil attacking the servant of the Lord. He attacked him. Now, I heard one preacher uh, a couple of years ago preaching on this passage, or he made reference to this passage, and he tried to say that Paul shook this snake off so quick that the snake didn't have a chance to bite him and therefore poison him. Uh, but I, I'm going to tell you, listen, uh, there's, snakes don't have feet and they don't have hands to fasten or hang by. There's only one thing on a snake that they can hang by and fasten with. And it's, they've got two of them. And they're called fangs. This snake bit Paul. This snake injected the poison into Paul. Paul shook him off. Listen, Paul lived because he 
had a divine providence looking over him because he was an apostle. And we don't have time to get into it this morning, but in Mark chapter 16, those apostles were divinely protected under an apostolic commission. The Bible speaks of them handling serpents and not being hurt. And right here, Paul didn't try to pick this snake up. This snake jumped on him. But Paul lived because he was an apostle. But I want you to see this picture this morning, and that is, just remember this, you cannot serve God without being attacked, opposed, and persecuted. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus. Is Paul living godly right here? Absolutely. He's a living, breathing, walking example of a true minister and follower of Jesus Christ. He's serving others. He's working, doing a menial task to help the cause on this island to be a blessing to people. And so Paul is acting and living godly. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus, mark it down, shall suffer persecution. You're going to get bit by the devil if you serve the Lord Jesus. In fact, God is going to allow this to happen because uh, it's under the attacks of the devil that we grow uh, in leaps and bounds as Christians. Listen, the Bible example of Jesus Christ, he said that if uh, when he was reviled, he left us an example. And this was his example, 1 Peter chapter 2. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he was threatened, he threatened not. Listen, how can you ever follow the example of Jesus Christ if he doesn't allow some of these things to come into our lives, if he doesn't allow people to revile us, if he doesn't allow people to threaten us or for people to slander us or attack us or the the devil to stir somebody up to bite us, if you will, in the spiritual sense. Listen, it's during those times that we can grow as Christians. Listen, a a smooth sea never made a seasoned sailor, as they say. And so God is going to be sure that you get wounded and attacked by the devil. He's going to allow these things to come in there. I remember reading a story one time about the Civil War. General Lee often told this story after the war was over. He said he had a, uh, a black man that was a cook for the Army of Northern Virginia. And uh, that man needed to get in and see General Lee. And he had great love and respect for that great general. And uh, they said that when they finally he finally got into his tent, he was real nervous and was wringing his hat and kind of kind of looking at the ground and and nervous around Brother Robert E. Lee. And General Lee asked him, he said, "Are you a, a member of this army of Northern Virginia?" He said, "Yes, sir, I am." He said, "Let me ask you something, soldier. Have you ever been shot?" He says, "No, sir, I haven't." And he says, now, wait a minute. He goes, and he was teasing him, but he said, all the men in my army get shot at some point or another. He goes, how long you been in this army? He said, two years, sir. He says, well, how is it that you've lived and been in this army and traveling with this army for two years, and yet you've never been wounded? And that black cook of uh, (laughs) Lee's looked up and said, well, sir, he said, I stays back where you generals stay. (laughs) Amen. You know what that means? They said Lee would tell that story and just roar laughing. You know who doesn't get wounded? You know who doesn't get hurt in the fight? Those that stay in the back of the lines. It's the servants. It's the soldiers that get out front, that engage the enemy, that serve the Lord on the front lines that are going to get bit, that are going to get shot at, that are going to get hurt. Amen. But you know something? Uh, you are safe with God. Listen, Paul had a divine power working in him that even when he got bit, he didn't fall down and die. Paul was serving, and yet the devil attacked him. Lastly, I want you to see this. 
We're going to draw, pull this stuff together. Notice it says in verse 5 that he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. And verse 6, the heathen, remember the unsaved islanders, the, uh, the Gentiles here, the barbarous people, they're on the island. And it says in verse 6 that they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. Now listen, Paul is a servant of the Lord. We've seen the servant's behavior. The serpent is a picture of Satan's attack. So we see the serpent's bite. But lastly, I want to say that the world, the lost world, was able to watch a sample of Jesus Christ. So we see a sample beheld. And you say, what is that? Well, not only did they see Christ's likeness in Paul when he was serving, but now they see Christ's likeness in Paul because he is able to take a direct attack and yet not swell up and fall down. Listen, when that serpent attacked him, he injected venom into Paul's system. And that's exactly what the devil does. I've watched him do it to Baptists. Just in the short eight and a half years I've been pastoring a Baptist church, I've watched the devil knock people out and cause them to miss a blessing because he injects some venom into their system and they will not shake it off like Paul shook this snake off. They won't shake it off. So their system, uh, they begin to swell up. And you say, what do they swell up with? Oh, bitterness. They swell up with grudges and self-pity. They swell up and pout. They swell up in uh, unforgiveness. They swell up with hatred and strife. Their pride swells. Oh, yes. Uh, the gossip and clamor is some of the poison that the devil inject into the Christian's heart. And if you allow these things to get in your system and begin to flow through your Christian life, I'm telling you something, you will swell up and eventually you will die. I've said before when I've preached this message in other churches that one of these days I want to walk up to some of these people who I know have been bit, but they've allowed the poison of the devil to infiltrate, infect their system. They haven't shook it off and gone on and they're just swelling up day by day. I want to walk up to them in the lobby when they come in and say, hey, How's the swelling? There's nothing worse than Baptist swelling. And they'll swell right there until they die and end up out of church. Now, I'm not talking about dying in a spiritual sense, but I'm talking about dying in the service of the Lord. They get robbed by the devil. And the preacher tries to help them. And they leave that church. And they're upset with the preacher. They're upset with the, quote, hypocrites in the church. They're upset with the people that hurt them, the people who didn't sympathize with them. And they're just swelled up with all this devilish poison and they can't shake it off, and they swell up finally, and they die, and they end up off the pew and out of church and out of the service of God, and they waste years of their life like that. And I'm going to tell you something. That kind of a Christian testimony is a poor recommendation of the faith. Because remember, there were people here watching Paul after he was bit. And when they had observed and watched him, they expected him to swell up and die. And when he didn't, they changed their minds. So you know something? A sample, Paul was a great sample, not only in his service, but also in how he handled an attack from the devil. And listen, if you're going to serve God, you're going to get attacked. You're going to be persecuted. But listen, there's a divine power working in you that will allow you to shake it off. And go on for God. You know what Paul kept doing? He just kept helping build the fire. He just shook off that attack. And that's what convinced these people about Paul. And you know something? He was a great sample of the Lord Jesus. You know, our King James Bible uses a great word there. It's the word in sample. 
Uh, now, the new Bibles would say, well, that needs to be changed just to example. We don't use the word in sample anymore. Leave the Bible alone. Those words do not need to be changed. You know why? Uh, when the King James Bible was translated, English was at a peak as far as its, its brilliance and as far as its depth and all of these things. And so this particular version of the Bible, this translation, this copy of the Word of God is perfect because God superintended that thing and he put words in the Bible like in sample. Now the word example is also in a King James, but the word in sample is there because listen, that puts a thought into your mind. You know what an in-sample is? It's a sample, a taste of the real thing. Paul tells the believers in Thessalonica, there in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, he said, ye uh, became followers of the Lord, and ye became in-samples to the believers. Listen, as you follow Jesus Christ, you become a sample. You become a little taste of him. Listen, a sample is something that people can do what? They can sample it. When I go to Sam's Club with my wife, I love it because, man, all through that uh, building, all through Sam's Club, they have little sample stations where people are sitting there with a little little skillet or something, and they're frying up little samples of that sausage. And that sausage, you go by, and they put a little sample on a toothpick and hand it to you, and, man, that good hot sausage, and, man, you get a little taste of it, and, boy, it tastes good. There is a purpose behind giving you a sample of that sausage or whatever it is they're selling. They want you to take some of that home. Well, you know something, I want to be a follower and a sample of Jesus Christ that when people taste me and sample me, they'll get a real true sample of who Jesus Christ really is and they'll want to take him home with them. Amen and amen. That's what we need more of is some real samples of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. When people sample you to test out the Lord Jesus, because remember, he left us down here to represent him. We're ambassadors. We're representatives. Listen, we're called the body of Christ and members in particular. Jesus Christ is back in heaven, but down here it's the believers, the followers of the Lord that are supposed to give a little sample to other people of who Jesus is. When people sample your Christianity, what do they get? What do they get a taste of? I'm going to tell you what they taste, and a lot of y'all, they taste a bitter taste. They get something that's sour, something that's cold and stale. Something that uh, isn't very inviting. Is it any wonder that people aren't interested in our God in the Bible when they see some of you Christians who are swelled up and poisoned and people are watching you and they don't get a real good sample of what Christianity really is? But oh, listen, uh, Paul's sample of Jesus Christ was a warm sample. It was a sweet sample. It was uh, salty, had some flavor to it. Oh, Lester Roloff used to sing that old song, uh, 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 Keep in Touch with Jesus. The chorus would say this, Keep in touch with Jesus, though the pathway's dim. Let no clouds nor sorrow sever you from Him. Joy or sorrow greet thee, friend or foe you meet. Keep in touch with Jesus, He will keep you sweet. I tell you, you stay close to the Lord. And you'll taste good to the world. And you'll be a true sample of what Jesus Christ is. That Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, who are they going to taste? They're going to taste us. If it works for us, it'll work for them. They watched Paul. And when they expected him to swell up and die, he didn't. And the scripture says, when they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. I'm going to tell you something. Serve the Lord, but expect to be bitten 
And when you get opposed, slandered, bit by the devil, just shake it off and go on living for God. And there's people observing and there's people watching. And if you can do that, you'll be a true sample of Jesus Christ. May God help you to apply these things today. That's all the time we have this week. I do hope that these lessons are helping you. And Christian friend, keep living for God and keep looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Those of you who are listening who do not, not know where you're going when you die, may you consider him who endured such contradictions of sinners against himself. The one who died in your place was buried and rose again and made eternal life possible. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. May God help you to understand that. And Christian, just keep serving him. The Lord's coming back soon. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you as you serve him.